0: Our lives are supposed to be stories, but mine mostly feels like fragments and flashes of things that don't fit together. How do I make sense of all these memories and moments? I can see the individual threads, tangled and twisted, but I'm not always sure how the dots connect. How did I get here and where do I go from here? do i make sense of my about you but uh thank you so much uh last week we kicked off uh this series storyline and i had several people uh come up to me and they are were like wow what what an incredible series that just started storyline um this series uh is is this three-week series is really about uh, talks on how to make sense of your story, right? Because the truth of the matter is, is that we all have a story. There's a story behind each and every single person in this room. As as from the youngest to the oldest, there is a story uh, that we each carry with us, right? And um, when we read Our past, well, right, the storyline of our past, well, it guides us uh, as we co author, right, co author our future with God. Because the truth of the matter is, we're not robots. Right, God didn't create us this way. He created us with a, uh, an opportunity to make choices with the the will. Right, so we have a decision. We have a part in the story that God is writing, and so uh, sometimes we we author it well, and sometimes we don't author it well. Uh, and, and, and but the, the incredible thing is that we get this opportunity to when we read our past well it guides us as we co-author our future with God, when we can be honest about our past experiences, we discover our strengths. Right? When we can figure out, man, this is where I failed back then, and this is how I can better position myself for the future. Right? When we tell our story, in essence, what we're really doing is telling the greatest story. Now, I know some of you last week, when you heard one of my great stories, was like, oh, that's cool. I have a better story. And that's incredible, right? Because it's your story. It's your story and why shouldn't your story be one of the greatest stories ever told, right? And and sometimes I don't think we as, as individuals, as believers comprehend that, that we get to be a part of telling our has a story to tell. Now, some of you be like, I don't like telling my story. Oh, you should like telling your story. And hopefully in this series, You'll understand why telling your story is so incredible. Now, last week, we talked about uh, that when it comes to our story, when it comes to our story, when we find God in the past, right, when we find God, how God worked through our storyline prior. Like my wife just turned 47 on Thursday. And so happy birthday, my love. Yes. Uh, we, we celebrated it up on the beach and it, and it, and it was good. Um, but for 47 years, she has had God intervene in her past. For 47 years, God has, has helped her co-author her story up to today. And if you ask her, if you if you sit down and ask her, "Hey, tell me. Tell me about about how uh, where are you today? What what is what, what's happening in your world today?" She cannot tell you her story without including God and how God what God has done in her past. And that same started serving Jesus, or you've been serving Jesus since since you were born, right? We all should be able to find God in our past. Because when we find God in our past, it actually propels our future. And so this morning, our second week of this series, my message is titled, Attention, Attention, not Attention. A tension to be managed. Our greatest gifts often come from our greatest pain. Our greatest gifts often come from our greatest pain. All right, now let that sit in your in in your, in your mind and in your heart for a little bit. Now I don't know about you, but I'm not very fond of cliches. All right. We've all heard cliches. We've all uh, experienced some of them. But over my lifetime, I've heard some really annoying ones, some really annoying cliches. And, and what makes them annoying is that they don't always make sense to everybody involved, right? They don't always make sense to the, the, the group that it's being shared with. Let me give you some examples Better late than never right? Maybe you've used that before. Better late than never, right? Better late than never. Try telling that to the person that's waiting for something that hasn't come, right? Try try telling the kid who wants his bottle. <laughs> Better late than never, honey. No, mom, feed me my bottle. I want it now. That's the crying. That's what crying is about, Right? Better late than never for the person who has been waiting on, on maybe a financial blessing, who's been waiting for someone to, 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 to give them something or or waiting for an opportunity to fall on their lap or waiting for a job to come about or home to open up, right? Waiting for something. Better late than never. No, nobody wants to get something late. Or how about the past is the past, Right? The past, the past is the past. Listen, it also impacts so much of the present and the future. You can't just sweep it under the rug and say "que sera, que sera," right? And into your future, or how about time heals all wounds? No, no, I still have some hurts, right? And I'm sure some, or. Pain is weakness leaving the body. That's for you, fitness people. Pain is weakness leaving your body. Whatever. <laughs> Ever stub your toe? Whew. Or what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. <laughs> what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Who thought of that one? <sighs> These cliches are helpful, uh, sorry, are unhelpful at best and damaging at worst. And I'm sure you've been on the receiving end of some of these and you have your own that are just annoying to you. And it's not that they don't mean well, right? It's not when people say it, it's not that they don't mean well or that there isn't some truth in them. But here's the thing it's that. They are attempts to compartmentalize, to minimize or forget negative and painful experiences from the past. In other words, when we use these type of cliches, what we're trying to do is, is sweep it under the rug. We're trying to put some distance uh, from, from that, that painful experience. We're trying to avoid it. We're trying not to recall it. We're trying to put it in a box, throw it in a way, and never recall it again. My talk today is, is understanding that our, our past pains can actually bring about some incredible blessings to our lives. So let's, let's define pain, right? Pain is defined as uh, something mental, something physical, or emotional suffering, right? Can we all agree on that? Pain is is something that's mental, something that's physical, or something that's emotion that brings about emotional suffering. Pain is no respecter of man. None of us are immune to pain. It has and will continue to find us, whether you are a believer or whether you're not a believer, whether you've been serving Christ for 50 years or you've been serving Christ for one day. There is pain when you stub your toe, right? I I stubbed my toe the other day on the chair and I almost lost my salvation. I'll just be truthful. It hurts! Like like I'm at the verge where my I think my, my little pinky toe is actually in the way now of how many times I've stubbed it. There's a there's a size 13 walking around my house. Right there's pain when 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 we have our physical pains when we get hurt there's 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 pain when someone hurts us right pain is not fun we cannot hide from it it exists it's going to happen and we have to figure this out you see we have these pain receptors all over our body now, we're going to go into a little, little neurological stuff here, a little neurological history here. For those of you who study medicine, you may correct me at a different time other than this moment, okay? Uh, you see, we have these pain receptors all over our body, and there's this thing called the agmadala. I probably said it wrong, but I'm going to spell it. A-M-Y-G-D-A-L-A. It's not normally my vocabulary. I had to look it up for this week, okay? But we have this thing called the amygdala, right? When you see on the screens, for those of you, this is why I gave you the cooler because you cannot see the screen, right? So you just enjoy what's in the cooler at this moment, all right? And the amygdala are these two almond-shaped little um, gray masses inside of our brains, one on each side. And the amygdala has become best known for its role in processing fear right, And processing fear, when we are exposed to a, a fearful uh, stimulus, information about that stimulus is immediately sent to these little almond shaped things in your head, okay, which can then send signals, so that's a pit stop, it then sends signals out to the areas of the brain to trigger a flight or fight response, okay? A flight or a fight or flight response. This fight or flight response is our reaction to circumstances that causes uh, us to. Uh, the little almond things in the side of your head started triggering things, started sending signals out, started telling you, okay, you need to figure this out. You're either gonna fight or you're gonna run. Right? Are you going to flight? And so things like stress and fear or life endangerment, when we ever find ourselves in these situations is because the brain has already uh, done its process. It's already calculated. And it's, you're in this position now to make a decision. Or based on the circumstances that you find yourself in, are you either going to, to fight what's happening here, or are you going to flight, all right? And so your heart rate begins to race, right? And and your breathing begins to get a little heavier as these circumstances come about. Now, like I said before, we're pre-programmed to avoid pain, right? The pain receptors in our body kind of is like a warning sign. Like, ooh, ouch, that hurt. And so every time I stub my toe, it reminds me, don't walk that way, fool, right? You're going to stub your toe. And so we have these pain receptors going on, but we're really pre-programmed to avoid pain. I remember my Sophia was watching a basketball game in Puerto Rico uh, as Maddie was playing. And Puerto Rico, there's no really tall people in Puerto Rico. There's not that many tall people in Puerto Rico. So there's a bunch of short people running around. And short people running around means they hit each other a little harder. Okay, and so Maddie was in this physical game, and they were pounding each other, and I'm like, yeah, get him out of hitty. hit him out of here!" And, and, uh, and Sophia was like, oh my gosh, what is going on here? You see, at this moment, she was already understanding, her body was already telling her, you need to avoid pain at all costs. Right, and so she was just nervous. At the end of the game, she comes up to me, Dad. Why are they playing like this? Why? Well, it's a physical game. Why are they hitting each other like that? She goes, and I goes, "That's just the way the game." She goes, "Well, that's why I play volleyball because there's a net between us. They stay on their side, and I stay on mine." Right? Because she understand, she understood that at a very young age, avoid pain at all costs. We're pre-programmed to avoid pain, which is natural and it's healthy for most of us, okay? Says the kid who used to jump out the abandoned door windows on old mattresses for fun, right? <laughs> now, unless, unless we, we, we were pre-programmed differently, we were dropped on our head too many times, this is natural for us. This is how we normally think. However, we also have another natural reaction to pain. And this reaction to pain is to avoid thinking about past painful experiences. Not only do we want to avoid pain, but our minds are triggered and designed in such a way that we don't like thinking of pain. We don't like bringing up The pain, our painful experiences. We don't like recalling uh, our painful memories and experiences. But here's the thing. I know it's hard to believe, but some of our greatest strengths, some of our greatest blessings, some of the best parts of who we are are shaped, are formed from some of our, our most painful experiences. Who we are today has probably come from our painful experiences of yesterday. Take, for instance, a slab of marble, right? A slab of marble that's slowly chipped, beaten, cracked, chiseled, shaped, etched, and smoothed into a beautiful statue, right? There had to be some pain in order to create something beautiful. You can't really appreciate Michelangelo's uh, uh, David until you see the blocked stone from where it came from, from where it was started. Church, if we are unwilling to look back at our story, especially some of the painful parts, with the desire of learning, our pain is worth nothing. If we cannot learn, if we cannot build, if we cannot rise up from our painful experiences into something incredible, then the pain that we're going through or that we went through was worth nothing. Tim Fargo, who's an American author and an investor and entrepreneur, he's actually the author of the book, Alphabet Success, and he's the CEO of socialjukebox.com, says, analyze your mistakes. You've already paid the tuition. You might as well get the lesson. Right? We need need to go back As as hard as it is as difficult as it is to go back into those moments where we messed up, where, where pain was brought upon us, where we stubbed our toe. Listen, if I continue to stub my toe in the same place, in the same stool every day, I haven't learned. I'm, paying, I'm, just, I'm just freely giving, right, my tuition and not, not getting the lesson out of it. But here's the thing, if you and I, if you and I are willing to approach our past with the mindset of a student, then we will come to see that some of the greatest pains were the soil, right, were the the very foundation where our greatest strengths began to grow. Just take a second at this moment and think about some of the greatest pains that you have had in your life over the years. And, and think about and ask yourself the question, have I learned something from that pain? Has something come about to better me as a person because of the pain that I've suffered? Church, our greatest gifts often come from our greatest pains. And until we kind of grab hold to that, we're going to continue to try to sweep under the rug our pain. We're going to try to erase some of these things. And I'm not saying every pain needs to be recalled all the time. What I'm saying is that there are some pains out there, some difficult moments that we have had in our lives that have actually propelled our future. You see, sometimes it's hard to recognize these things in our own lives. That's why last week we looked at the story of Joseph. And the struggles that Joseph had. And so this week, we're going to take a look at another storyline. And that is of Peter. And hopefully give you some insight into his life. And and how uh, some of his greatest gifts, his blessings came from some of his greatest pains. Now, let me, give you, let me get you acquainted with Peter, for those of you who don't know Peter. His original name was Simon until Jesus jumped on the scene and said, I think you look like a Peter to me. You're going to be called Peter, right? He was a fisherman. He was a fisherman, and he left everything. That was his trade. That was his calling. That's what his purpose in life was up until that moment, until he found the purpose of Jesus, and he left it in order to follow Jesus, right? He was bold. He was confident. Sometimes maybe a little rude and, and, and obnoxious, a little, a little brassy, right? He, he even attacked a Roman soldier to help Jesus, right? But one thing that we do know about Jesus was that he truly believed in what Jesus said. He truly believed in what Jesus was preaching. So let's jump into uh, John chapter six, verses sixty-seven and sixty-nine. Okay. Um, Then Jesus turned to the twelve and asked, "Are you going? Are you also going to leave?" Simon Peter replied, "Lord, to whom to whom would we go?" You have the words, you have the words that give eternal life. We believe and we know that you are the holy one of God. So, with that statement alone, Peter is is recognizing that Lord Jesus, you are you are it. You are the man, you're in charge. What you say is what I believe. Okay? And, and I brought this scripture up because I wanted to solidify the fact that Peter loved Jesus. Peter loved Jesus. He, loved, he left everything for Jesus. He believed Jesus. He followed Jesus. He, and, and, and out of the 12 disciples that Jesus had around him, he was one of the closest to Jesus. So there was a relationship there, right? There was a bond there, a friendship there. And up to that point, nobody would have ever phantomed the pain that was about to come upon Peter. Up until that point, man, if you, you and Jesus are like this. And if you and Jesus are like this, life is good. Life is good. But Peter, Peter had pain. Peter had pain. Luke chapter 22, verses 31 to 34 begins to detail some of this pain. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift, right, to examine each of you like wheat. But I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. So when you have repented, uh uh-oh, Jesus said, I've prayed so that you would not fail. And he follows that up with, so when you have repented and turned to me again, in other words, something happened to Peter. Something happened to Peter. Peter kind of, kind of turned away a little bit here. Peter was Jesus was Jesus's closest friend, and here Jesus is saying, Peter, when you have 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 turned uh, repented and have turned back to me, again, strengthen your brothers. Peter said, Lord, I'm ready to to go to prison for you, and even to die with you. But Jesus said, Peter, let me tell you something. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny, uh you will deny three times that you even know me. This is where if, if the, the Bible had a had a, a audio, this is where it would go dun dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Right? cause up in this time, Peter's like, What are you talking about, Jesus? Like, what do you I deny you? Me, no, we're like this. We're homies, we're boys. I believe in everything you do. I believe in everything you say. You say, go this way, I'll go that way. You say that way. I'm there, Jesus. I'm your boy. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to be with you. And Jesus says, man, when you have repented and turned back to me, right? When you have done that, then you can go strengthen your brothers. Jesus but I'm going to follow you for the rest of my life. I believe in you. No, because by the, you know, before the rooster crows 3 times, you would have denied me 3 times. And so, the story goes on. Jesus gets arrested and Peter is nowhere to be found. When asked, "Who is Jesus? Do you know Jesus?" Peter has already denied him. Let's move on to Luke chapter 22, verse 61, 62. At that moment, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Now, I'm, I'm going to fast forward f- for you because the time, I can't give you the whole thing. You're going to have to read your own Bible, right? <laughs> I can't do everything for you. You got to read your Bible, open it up. It's incredible stuff in there, right? And so at this moment, Jesus has already died, right? Jesus has, has been crucified. And Jesus comes down and appears to The people at that moment, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Suddenly, the Lord's words flashed through Peter's mind before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny three times that you even know me. And Peter left the courtyard, weeping bitterly. Right, stored right. John 21 verse 9 says, When they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them, fish cooking over a charcoal fire, and some bread. Peter left. The guys and went off the shore was not too far off right it wasn't like Peter was started got on a jet ski and went back you know peter got got out and walked back they were they were they weren't too far out. And Peter began to do something. Let's continue to read John 21, 15, 17. It says, after breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Verse 16, Jesus repeated the question. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said. You know I love you. Then take care of my sheep. A third time, Jesus asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus now had asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. Earlier, I gave you the the scripture portion where it said, so when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. You see, the process of restoration had begun. Jesus had forgiven. Peter had turned back to Jesus, right? And now he was ready to begin to strengthen, to build, to to grow and teach his brothers. Thus, the, the scripture that Jesus follows up with, then feed my sheep. You have the pain. You have the change is the first of any of the disciples to stand and preach. Peter stands before them and he begins to preach boldly, courageously, confidently. And the Bible says in Acts chapter two that about 3,000 were added as followers of Jesus and they were baptized. Pain, restoration, and change or transformation here's the thing there are two primary ways that painful moments uh, in our stories can be a gift when we reflect when we think back of our painful experiences there are two ways right that these can be turned into an, a gift number one the pain can be a catalyst for our own transformation when we look back at our pain and our hurt, right, we can use that to, to change and, and allow God to transform us from within. And number two, our experiences of darkness gives light to others. When we see the pain that was caused to us and we allow God to have a transfer, begin to change us, restore us, right, this. Peter's own transformation came because of the denial of Christ was a point of shame and failure. But when Jesus restored Peter, it solidified something within him. It gave him purpose. It gave him a reason. And Peter's struggles uh, encouraged others. Jesus prayed for Peter in Luke 22, specifically that Peter's failures, that his pains would encourage others. And Peter did just that. He went on to be a leader that says, nobody escapes being wounded. But when our wounds cease to be a source of shame and become a source of healing, we have become wounded healers. In other words, when we take the pain and the hurt that we have had in the past, that we have caused uh, uh, or we have been caused and we use that to be a blessing to others. Now we have positioned ourselves, right, for the betterment of our world, our society. Peter preached boldly. And if anybody knows about forgiveness and redemption, it's Peter. He wrote in First Peter, it's not on the screen here, First Peter chapter five, he says. In verse 8, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that you're a family of believers all over the world. God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Jesus Christ. So after you have suffered a little while, He will restore, he will support and strengthen you, and he will place you on a firm foundation. Peter Peter speaks into the restoration process. But here's the thing. Sometimes we cause pain and sometimes someone has caused the pain upon us. But what we've just shared this morning applies to either or. Whether you've caused your own pain by your own decisions or someone has has caused that pain upon you, the principles still apply here. I'm going to quickly share a story here as I get to uh, the end here. before. Coming to Christ, I caused pain. I caused pain to people that I loved, people that 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 had significant value in my life. And at that moment in my life, I could have chosen to just say, que sera, sera. It is what it is. Right? I could have let people just continue to do and live on and live their life. But a change had to take place, a restoration had to take place in my life. And I like like Peter kind of kind of walked away from God. And in my walking away from God, I walked away from life itself. And in walking away from life itself, it caused pain to people that I loved. And I had to figure out something different. At that moment, I had to figure out, am I going to fight or am I going to can easily sweep it under the rug and continue to move on. And whatever happens, whatever happens. Or I can try to figure this out and allow God to do something in my life. And so I chose God. I chose Jesus, and he began this restoration process in me. And he began to do something different in me. And because Jesus began to do something different inside my life, my outlook, my perception, my my future began to change. And so through my pain came restoration. And because of the restoration, he positioned me like Peter to be an encourager to others, to use my pain, my hurt, not to go around and say, woe is me. This is my, like, anybody know Eeyore from Winnie the Boo? Oh, okay. You know, uh, and, 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 and that could have easily happened. I could have easily let life dictate what was going to play out in my future. But instead I allow God to begin the restoration process. And today I find myself leading people to Christ. He has restored my relationships. He's allowed me to 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 He's He's allowed me to continue to live out His purpose for my life. And as I share my story. Yeah, it's not easy. It's not easy because it might bring up some 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 past that that's difficult, right? It might it might uncover some yucky stuff about my life. But if you and I have ever got into some deep discussion, I have no problem speaking about the the issues that I had as a at the very beginning of my life, before I met. I call it BC before Christ. Right? And my family has benefited from that. And there are many people around the world that has benefited because of my pain. Someone else has been significantly impacted by my pain. My family has been impacted by my pain. Other families have been impacted by My pain, my girls and their future will be impacted by my pain. Not the hurt portion, but what God has done because of my pain. Friends, you have these things in your story as well. The pain that you've experienced in your past, I know you don't want to relive it. I know you wish it never happened, but it did. If you can look back and start to see how God was able to redeem even the most broken things, then it is not then it not only changes you, but it gives hope to others. It gives hopes to others. So let me wrap this up. When it comes to our story, we need to ask ourselves a couple of questions. When it comes to our story, we need to ask ourselves a couple of questions. Number one, what is our pain, right? What is our pain? What, what, what happened? What caused the pain? How did we get to that pain, right? Did you cause it? Was it, was it the decisions that you have made or did someone else cause that pain? Don't sweep it under the rug and pretend like it doesn't exist or it didn't exist, right? Or that it never happened. Embrace the pain. Embrace the pain because when you realize what is your pain, then the next question is what is uh, your own transformation? What has God done because of that pain? How has God restored you? How has God lifted you up? What has God God done differently in your life? Because the next question is is, is the the icing on the cake. Because the next question is, how can I use it to encourage others? How can you use the pain that you went through, the struggles, the difficult moments? Use that pain to, to bring God into the picture to show how God transformed your life so that it can be a blessing to someone else who's going through some difficult times similar to yours. Listen, because of your past, because of your experiences, because of your story, you're going to have passions and things that are are important to you. That's just the way it is. Right? Because of your past. You like, you know, I, I feel bad for for August <laughs> sports followers who have who love teams that are just crappy, that don't win. <laughs> I'm not speaking to anyone in here, maybe. I don't know, but but here's the thing: it that hurts when you can't you root all your life for a team to do well and, and then <laughs> So we're going to have our past and our experiences and our story. We're going to have passions, right, and things that are important to us. That's just the way it is. That's why we like. That's why we give heart emojis. That's why we share. Basically, we respond in favor to post on social media, on Facebook, on Instagram for things that we really like or or things that, that we have seen, experienced, right, that people have come through. Have 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 excelled at, because whatever that post was, it triggered something inside of us. It struck a chord from our past, from our experiences, from our story. And when we have those moments that make us reflect on our past, we should be looking to turn that negative into a positive. We should be looking to see what good can come from the the negative past, from the hurt and the pain. Brennan Manning said, in a futile attempt to erase our past, we deprive the community of a healing gift. If we conceal our wounds out of fear and shame, our inner darkness can neither be illuminated nor become a light for others. If you try to hurt your, I mean, hold back and keep your past from other people from finding out the pain that you have suffered and what God has done to take you from that pain, in essence, what you're doing is you're putting a, a cover over the light. You're putting it out and not allowing that light to be a blessing to those around you. So let what was once your pain be a light for others. How do we do this? Simple. Because you know what it's like to be alone in a new community, maybe you should look into leading a small group. Because you know what it's like not to have enough food, maybe you should look at serving at a soup kitchen somewhere. Because you know what it's like not to have healthy adults in your life, then maybe you should look into serving in our kids' ministry and be that leader. Be that young lady. Be that young man in that person's life. Because you know what, um, because you know what it's like to feel invisible, maybe you should look at being a greeter at part of our hospitality team and greeting people with a smile and making them feel welcome. Because you know what you're good at, what you're passionate about, maybe you should look to serving in that particular area. Rick Warren said it best. Says, God didn't pull you out of that dark place so you can keep it to yourself. He pulled you out so that you can pull others out also. So stop. Keeping it to yourself. Don't be ashamed of your past. Don't let your past pains and hurt stop you from shining the light that resonates inside of you, someone else's future. Amen.